Hello and welcome to another episode of the Audaciousness Podcast with me, Maribel Ortega. And me, Helen Strong. In this podcast, we showcase individuals who have set themselves bold and audacious goals and have worked to achieve them with the aim of inspiring others to also set themselves audacious goals and to create a positive movement in the world. We'd like to highlight the fact that even regular people like you and me can have audacious goals and that role models are, in fact, all around us. Each and every one of us can have an impact in some way. Thank you for joining us. We're delighted to have you with us. So Maribel, tell us about the guest we're going to hear from today. Well, today our conversation is with Angela Papalia, whom I met in the cohort of my MBA group, the, the master's I'm doing, I reached out to, to several people or I just, I just posted who has, ha has done audacious goals. And some people uh, came back and she was one of them. I was impressed by her radiant energy uh, when, when I first spoke uh, with her. And this is what what I think you see in the conversation. Definitely. Yeah. And we recorded this conversation in March of this year and it was warm enough in Mexico for Angela to be sitting on our balcony while she was talking to us. So we, we yeah. can hear lots of chirping and tweeting in the background with all the birds uh, which were close to Angela's balcony. Exactly. That's right. So let's listen to Angela now and we'll be back in half an hour to talk about this conversation. Enjoy the interview. Thank you very much, Angela, for participating, for agreeing to participate in our podcast. When we spoke uh, the first time, I was really impressed about this huge change in your life uh, that, that you decided to take. Would you like, please, to tell us a little bit about what was your life like before and what was this huge change that, that you decided to make? Sure, sure. Um, thank you very much for having me. I really appreciate the invite and um, the opportunity to speak with both of you. The change I made was about six months ago when I decided to move to Mexico while not changing anything career-wise. So my life before, it was a bit of a preparation in this. So my life, if we go back to oh, 2018, 2019, was very corporate. I worked in a huge firm with multiple locations, made a lot of money, uh, had a lot of opportunities and a lot of security, but I didn't have opportunity to make any decisions for myself. It was a very rigid environment. Um, the people were very nice, but there was no flexibility and that, that didn't work for me. So in the last week of February of 2020, I quit my job. Two weeks later, the world sort of changed and I panicked. And my first thought was like, I, I wonder if they would take me back. And you start to think, you know, I had um, a house and a cottage mortgage and, you know, all of these costs and I panicked, but only, you know, for a short period of time and started to get going on my own um, with association with some friends who I'd gone to law school with and, Then in November, um, I took my practice remotely and I've been working completely full-time as a, an Ontario or Canadian lawyer um, from Sayuli to Mexico. And you know what? It, it couldn't be better. I've never, well, I've never been busier, which is not always, you know, a good thing. But the question I get a lot is, how do you make it happen? How do you make it work? Sayulita is um, a surf town. A lot of people come here to surf. Um, has a huge yoga meditation community. People come here um, for that practice. And it's, it's a wonderful place. And I admit at the beginning, it was hard to be motivated. In order to keep everything working from my view, I had to maintain some type of routine. So I imposed on myself that I would have to do the same because if I, you know, spent my mornings at the beach and next thing we know it was noon, no work was ever going to get done. So it, 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 admittedly, it did take a little while to bring that 
into into play. But once I did, I'm now four and a half months here, and it's it's like home. It's completely routine. Yeah, and it's it's going wonderfully. Yeah, I'm I'm just looking at your at your background there in the reflection in the in the window. Obviously, you're sitting on your balcony here, and it, it's in it's March and. Oh, you're turning around. Oh, absolutely beautiful, and we can yeah. hear the sound of the birds. Um, it's it's March, and you're you're sitting in just a vest top there, so it's obviously the right type of uh, climate for you as well. Yeah. You said you moved from Ontario, so what? I, I mean, did. there's a big difference to come from Ontario to Mexico. What what made you choose Mexico? A very wonderful person. So I came at the beginning of 20, about January, 2020, I signed up for my yoga teacher from home runs the retreat, run, runs a couple of retreats down here every year. And so I came, there were 22 girls signed up for a one week yoga surf retreat, in the middle of November, and the other 21 canceled. And so I came by myself with, <laughs> with my instructor who's here. Um, and it's gotten to become a very, very good friend. And I liked it so much, so I, I stayed. Fantastic. What are, what are the big differences? So you said the routine was something, and we just spoke earlier that you already you were up at five o'clock this morning. Was that a routine that you used to do as well? It was. It was. At home, I would um, get up around five o'clock, and my gym opened for 5.15, so I would go there until about 6.30. I would come home. I would take my dog to the dog park because he had a play group around 7.30 that he loved. I would... Um, sometimes if I had 15 minutes, rush to the grocery store and pick up some food in between there, I would drop off my dog at my father's house or my parents' house where my dad would watch him while I was at work and go to the office, park, walk to the, walk to the office, go in, start chaos, and then come out at some point later in the day, go pick up the, go pick up the dog, come home. And the same as everyone else, clean my house, make dinner, all, all of these things, and then go to bed exhausted at, mm. you know, eight, nine o'clock and then get up at 10 to five and go to the gym again. At what and, point did you decide that this was not the life that you wanted? So I've been a lawyer now. J January 27th was my 10 year anniversary. And I decided this wasn't the life I wanted about a year before the first day I became a lawyer. So about 11 years ago, I decided this is not the life I wanted. And I knew that, now it took me a bit longer to get here than I had hoped it would, but um, I articled in downtown Toronto and it was terrible. And there were, you know, very, very late nights. I remember being at the office at 11 o'clock at night and all of these things. And so I left Toronto and moved to Hamilton, which is where I'm from, moved back to Hamilton to practice for five years. And I had a wonderful job, but I remember then, and I had a great mentor who talked to me and said, you know, your first five years are going to be difficult. You're going to feel like you're being pulled in all different directions, but you have to learn what you don't know. He said, we had a very general practice and he taught me, I'm going to, you know, you're going to learn a bit of everything and then you're going to decide what you want to focus on. So at least when the other points come up, you know, this is not an area I'm, I'm an expert in. Who do I talk to? Who do I refer this to? Who do I consult with? So you don't get yourself and your clients in trouble. But he said, you know, the first five years are going to be difficult, but you're really going to enjoy it and appreciate the fact that you did it later on. So it's always been a bit of a, uh, I guess, back of the mind of viewpoint. And you I got dragged in. I, you know, stayed at, stayed at every job I've ever had probably for about a year too long. Um, making the move can be, you know, scary, difficult, especially mm -hmm. there was a point when we made really good money. So walking away from that, you're like, oh my God, I'm never going to have any more clients. No one's ever going to hire me anymore. Where, where am I going to find work? What's going to go on? And I always had this cushion number in my head. Hey, when I get to X, I will step back. When I get to X, and then you're like, well, maybe X needs to be X, Y. <laughs> and, then, <laughs> and then you're like, well, you get invested. Well, I get invested um, with my clients as you know, we all do in whatever course we take. It's like, well, I can't leave now. I'm 80% into this and, you know, so-and-so needs me. And I really want to see how, how this turns out. If someone else does it, they might mess it up. I might mess it up too, but at least that's my own fault. So last year, admittedly, just made it a whole lot easier because after going from 
six months, maybe working from my dining room table, it was a lot easier to pull the trigger and say, well, mm. if I could do my dining room table, I came down here, looked into the Wi-Fi to make sure we had some, you know, good signals, got an apartment with a, a self-dedicated modem system. So that wouldn't be a concern as much. It, it still happens. A couple of weeks ago, uh, the water truck took out some power lines down the street from my house. And we all just said, oh, well, um, it's Mexico. What are you going to do? Sorry about that. So there have been some glitches, but overall, I wouldn't change it for anything. Angela, I wonder before you, you jump into the cold water or, well, it's Mexico warm water, before you make that huge change. Um, and, and you have been, had been dragging on this moment. I mean, obviously, you, you just said you knew pretty early this is not what I want to do. Nonetheless, yeah. something kept you going at it. And I'm so interested in those moments that we have where, where our mind shifts, that they might just be one second, but they feel like an eternity. Can, can you tell me if you had and, and how, how it was that moment in which you just realized, that's it, I can't do this anymore? Yes. There was a very specific meeting I had at work, February of 2019. And I remember uh, it was with some management at my office. And my understanding of the meeting was it was meant to be, you know, where do you see yourself here in a couple of years? How do you see yourself developing? And I think everyone did go into it with the best of intentions. The problem is I didn't feel through it at any point that anything I said mattered. It was, you know, which way do you want to develop? And I said, well, I, I think that, you know, the following would work. And this is why I think so. And I felt very brushed aside. It was, oh, okay, great. Yeah, that's okay. But that's not what we see. So instead, we're going to do this. So I said to myself, I was like, well, why are you asking me the questions if what my answer is doesn't matter unless it's your answer? So I remember walking back to the office and I said, I said to myself, if this is your life in a year, I'm very disappointed in you. I guess, I don't know if that was a bit of a timeline that I put on it, but it seemed to work. I don't know. It, it did. It seemed to work. So I'm having a, a moment here. It was, it was kind of an emotional time. I, I remember actually the paper that I was looking at at the time. And I was like, if this is your life a year from now, like you failed yourself. I, I had a great start. Like I went to law school in Australia. I did an internship in Malaysia when I was done. I've always loved traveling. I um, uh, backpacked around Europe for six months or so, the same thing in Southeast Asia. And all of this was in my 20s. And when I think of all of the, the great people that I met and the, the best experiences I've ever had, it's because I guess in my 20s, I wasn't scared. I was great let's let's go do it i mean i moved to australia i didn't even pack until the day before where now if i want to do something there's a spreadsheet out and there's charts and i you know it's become well, more organized which has been necessary in some ways but almost more hesitant that is unnecessary so i guess i was lucky i was able to look at the experiences i had back then and find a way that I could merge them because I love being a lawyer. I love my practice. I love, um, I wouldn't want to be living here without any type of structure. I just don't think it would be good for me. Going back to the routine, it's necessary. Admittedly, if I had nothing to do here, tequila on the beach by two o'clock would become very easy. You know, it's fine once in a while. It's not fine every day. So being in school and having work and the, the, the bit of the structure. It's just something I know that works for me. I mean, I've kept it here. So I wake up in the morning here and I go to the gym before I start my day. These are things that make me happy. So it's been nice to find the grind of work it doesn't have to be such a grind. Like I like what I do now. I space out my days more. I'll, you know, take a walk and go to the beach about two or three o'clock in the afternoon when I start to feel unfocused or I guess acknowledging That that's what I want to do. That's what I'm going to do. And there's nothing wrong with that. I'd like to go back, Angela, to something that you, you said before of the reasons 
that you didn't give it up when you did and you said the money was good you you mentioned that when I get to x I leave and then x became x y and so on so there was that there was the the money and then you got so invested in the clients that you said that you didn't want to leave them Um, and then you also thought well nobody's going to do this job as as good as I can (laughs) so all of these things that were coming up for you particularly about the clients about this you know I'm invested in them and no one can do it as well as I can how did you overcome those fears or, the, or those concerns that were coming up for you? The client part, funny enough, was actually the easiest part because when I left, um, the way that law practice works, I guess, in our in our bar is when you leave and you advise a client that you're leaving a firm, it's the client's choice on whether they want to stay with the firm or they want to come with you. Every single client that I told I was leaving said, we want to come with you. So that was it was wonderful. It was extremely valuable. I was so happy. I felt like I knew that I had a good rapport with some of them, but some who had been newer clients and, you know, clients who had maybe a relationship with other lawyers at my firm just said, no, we're good. We're going to come, you know, send us whatever direction you need us to sign. So oddly enough, that part was the easiest because they all came. The money part, I just started to realize it, it, it doesn't matter. Um, I will work in some form for the rest of my life. I'm not someone that wants to retire at a certain age and and sit around and do crossword puzzles. And I definitely want to work less. And I have a whole bunch of jobs which are possibly law-based, just maybe in a different form that I I even now consider to be my retirement jobs. But um, I don't have children, so it's easier to walk away there because if if I crash and burn, it's only myself that I have to worry about. I come from a really great family. So they've always said, well, you can come back here and live with us. I'm like, thanks mom and dad, but I'm not going to do that. Anyway, so I had this support around me and I recognized it and I was just able to say, you know what, this is, this is it. Because if it's not now, it's going to be never. Because I was like, well, X to me, when I think maybe it's not big enough of a cushion now, if you had asked me 10 years ago when I was $120,000 in debt coming out of law school, mm-hmm. I would have thought X was almost unattainable. And the fact that you're already there, you just have to pull the trigger at some point. Was there a moment that made me do it? No, I, I don't know. I'm going to go back and thank Carrie for bringing me here in November. And I just got it here and I liked it and it felt right. So what has become important to you now? I'm very rarely stressed. I sleep like a baby which I didn't do very well before. I used to wake up a lot in the middle of the night. I had a notepad next to my bed where I'd quotation date on that I might miss. That notepad's still around here, but it's not in my bedroom anymore because I sleep through the night. And then in the morning, a couple times a week, I'll have my coffee and sit down with it and sort of do an overview and be like, okay, what do you need to get done, you know, to make sure that um, you can still service your clients properly and, sleeping well is incredible. I always said I always used to fall asleep well, but I don't re-fall asleep well. So if I wake up at any point in the middle of the night, um, it would take hours to get back to sleep. And that's not the case anymore. And it happened almost instantly when I, after I got here. Mm. I'm curious, Angela, as to, as to what's the biggest thing that you've learned about yourself then, say in the past, say three or four years since you decided to, to start making the change? I don't know. I, I think that's still a work in progress. I'll be honest. This is going to sound cliche because a lot of people do it, but I've become very good at saying, no, I'm not doing that. I don't want to is a good enough answer. I don't feel like it. I'm not in the mood right now. Mm-hmm. And to just distinguish that everything that, you know, I'm asked to do, I used to refer to myself as a problem broker because you'd constantly have clients and my parents. And maybe about a month or so ago, I was here and I had a friend, reach out to me and she was talking about something and I told her I was like I can't be that person for you right now I can't relate whatsoever to what you're saying I'm your friend you're always being my friend I'll support you but I can't be that person that you need right now you have a whole great circle you have a husband you have friends you have I'm sorry you're gonna have to ask one of them because my environment is just so different complaining about lineups at Costco and that wasn't what she was talking about but that sort of you know It's just, it's so different from where I am right now. And I've learned not only to accept, but to thrive and say, sorry, not doing that right now. Uh -uh, I'm not your person. You need to ask someone else. 
How does um, that make you feel, Angela? Wonderful. <laughs> wonderful. <laughs> I can see a big smile on your face right now. Sounds like a huge relief to say that and not second guess. Should I be saying this? Exactly. And yes, it, not second guess. Um, maybe I'm becoming too comfortable with it. But I also notice it allows me to complete the projects that I am doing better. Mm -hmm. So as opposed to doing nine things today, I have two things I need to do. And I'm going to sit down after this and focus on one. And then I have a meeting with that client at about five o'clock this evening to go over it. And by that time, I'm going to have a really good project for him, for him to be looking at and reviewing. And we'll be much close to finalizing. And I guess learn to go back something I was told years ago. Because I'm, I'm focusing on the one thing and I'll, I'll get the project done, it'll be done. It won't be partially done. It won't be what is the minimum amount I need to get done to put the ball back in someone else's court. Okay. So I'm not just going to answer the preliminary question on this. I'm going to answer the preliminary question. I'm going to do the research. I'm going to provide the suggestions. I'm, I'm going to give a comprehensive response as opposed to uh, just doing what's good enough for now because I have too many other projects. And I think in the long run, it saves a whole lot of time. It services my clients better. It makes me feel better. It'll, it'll just be a better job. Because there's now only going to be, you know, maybe two or three touches on this project, as opposed to 10, because it'll come back and forth so many times with multiple edits, like, I'm going to put forward something that I think is pretty close to final right at the beginning. And that makes me feel better, too. One of my earlier mentors said, you have to feel powerful in whatever you're doing. You know, don't don't shoot from the hip, don't just just start, but go back, do the research, build the foundation, understand it like you can teach it. That's when, you know, it's going to be something great. And to do that for a lesser number of clients, as opposed to a more superficial um, job, not just for clients, but for friends, for myself, for everything else, um, I think is, is a far better approach. That seems like saying no to many things, all these things that people are asking you and, and, and showing your boundaries is allowing you to focus on the things that are important to you. Definitely. And I was never good at that before. I'm the oldest child of three. So um, if you, you know, you look at the psychology of oldest child, middle child, younger child, I, I, I was definitely an oldest child uh, personality. I, you know, took on problems that were not my problems. Um, so now I'm really not doing that anymore. I'm also saying no to ones that could be my problems just because it's, it's not what I want to be doing right now. Mm. And, and being really okay with it. I, I, talking to both of you is wonderful now. I didn't realize how, how okay with it or even the extent that it's made me happier. I, I think until we've talked through this literally right now. I'm wondering if you, did you speak to anybody in this, in any kind of depth before you came here? Or, or can, can you talk us through the process of, of what was going on in you to decide to move here? I mean, you said, yeah, I came and I loved it and I just moved here. Um, but there must have been more, or was there more than that or, or not? You know what? Not really. I, I, I talked to some friends about it and I had very, very mixed reviews. Uh, some were supportive. Some said, hey, great. Sounds great. We'll come visit. We'll miss you and we'll see you in a couple months. A few others were, well, what's this going to do for your, what's this going to do to your career? How is this going to hurt you? How is this going to, really, Mexico? Is it safe? I don't know, Angela. What do you think? And that wasn't just my mother. That was some of my, my girlfriends. There was, there was a lot all across the board. The ones that were not supportive, some of them have come around. Uh, there's still one or two that um, think I'm stretching it out a little bit longer. Like every time you give us an end date, it keeps getting pushed back. It's like, yeah, it's still getting pushed back. But even they're starting to understand because I guess I can say, I'm like, listen, it's been four months and I'm doing it. What, what, other, what other evidence do you need that my decision was the right decision for me? I've put it into practice. It's been a fair enough amount of time, even though it still feels you know, like I almost just got here. And one that we really talked it out, she was like, well, I needed you here. I can't make my life decisions on what you need. What about if I said, I need you here? I, I like, <laughs> some of the people I have met here are um, incredible, beyond incredible. 
the myriad of personalities is completely outstanding. I went for a walk last night. One of the things I, I, I think to myself is the people I've met and by looking at them, what I would have assumed that they were are the absolute opposite of what, of what they are once I start talking to them. And it's been such an eye-opening experience on getting to know people and um, just sitting, just listening. Maybe I used to talk too much. I don't know, but I love the people I'm meeting and what I'm hearing about. And it's a really unique town and it seems to attract um, a lot of very eclectic people. My friend came over yesterday. Here's a great story. She called me and left me a message about this time yesterday morning. It's, um, it's nine o'clock here right now. And she left me a message and said, well, I'm walking into town and there are two dogs following me and I think they need to go to the vet, but I have to work for the next few hours and I'm not sure what to do with them. And oh my God, hold on, wait, wait, wait. They're chasing a rooster. I have to go get them off the road. And I can hear the roosters in the background on this message. And then she said, well, can I bring them to your house? Because I know I'm a dog lover. I have my dog's paws tattooed on my back and they're, they're such um, my babies. She said, can I bring them to your house for the day? And then when I'm done work in a few hours, we'll take them to the vet. And I was like, sure, do that. So I fed them, they slept on my couch. Um, tried to borrow a golf cart because, you know, the vet's on the other side of town. We, I wasn't sure if they would follow us. So that was our day. And she says to me, she, you know what I love about this place? And she said this before, you leave your house and you never, ever, ever know what's going to happen. I've left my house to go to the corner store and ended up dancing on the beach for four hours because I found a DJ. You know, I've, it, it's just, it's such a great place for that. I think I'm surprised more often than I'm not when I leave the house. So so I, I went off on a tangent there. I think I even forgot your question. Uh, no, no, that's that sounds very different to the the routine that you were describing in Ontario at the beginning very of this different. call. Very different. And then just managing to keep it a little bit organized enough. They can be like, okay, well, I, I, I guess I did go to a dance party all day, so I have to come back and you know work a little bit later tonight. But I think that's something that we've all benefited from over the last year that. Nine to five is not nine to five. I have six hours of work to do at some point today. And it will happen either when I am prepared to do it uh, in whatever increments work best for me. And that's the flexibility. I had a, a talk with a, a colleague of mine a couple of weeks ago and he was quite upset. He was like, why are my clients emailing me at 10 o'clock at night? And I said, well, it's because that's when they're asking you. Doesn't mean that's when you have to answer. Just let it go. They're doing that because... I don't know, maybe they were teaching their kids during the day and they're not working during the day, they're working in the evening and that's their schedule. The input doesn't have to dictate the output, especially um, in terms of timing. So let them ask their question and you answer it when you answer it, you know, reasonably. That just feels, it's almost scary to say, it almost feels like a normal reaction now because I used to be the person, the second the, the emails came in, I felt like I had to deal with it right away. One, I was afraid that, that I, I would miss it, I would forget it, that they would become overwhelming because they would start piling up. So it was just, a, I felt like I was constantly playing defense just to like divert the questions. And it was, it was, it was really important that I, I mean, sometimes they are, timing can be important to people when, you know, I, I have clients that are small business owners and some of their questions are, you know, they feel very important to them and they may be time sensitive, but not everything is. It seems to me that you have slowed down a lot. I have slowed down a lot, but I'm still as productive, which I, I'm not sure how, but, it, but I am. Isn't that great? It is. It's wonderful. Um, I'm, like that, I'm a lot happier now. I am. Um, yeah. I'm a lot happier now. Yeah. Are you proud of yourself now? Yes. Thank you for asking me that. I'm very, I'm very proud of myself. I'm proud of myself for not being too scared to do it. Being scared is okay. And I was scared. Still mm -hmm. a little bit scared once in a while, but I wasn't too scared to do it. I was too scared to stay. Actually, this can go back to one of your last questions. You asked me, you know, was there a moment? Last November, right before I came here, I will admit there was something on the horizon about taking advantage of the COVID year, the courts being closed for, you know, a year, maybe an extra year, whatever, of taking it, of being remote. And one of the things I said to myself, I was standing in my kitchen 
And I said, it's too same. Mm-hmm. Being here is too same. Um, I'd been living in the house I was in for three years. And I loved it when I moved in. I loved my neighborhood. I still do. I had wonderful people. I remember standing in the kitchen. I was like, I need to change something. This is too same. And I did. Brilliant. Thank you. Fantastic. <laughs> Angela, our podcast is called Audaciousness. And the audacious part relates to having the audacity to come up with uh, such a goal or transformation in the first place. And the word ness describes uh, a spit of land that juts out into the sea. So in other words, it's kind of like solid ground surrounded by constant uh, waves and wind coming at you. Um, So for us, audaciousness means having a solid grounding on which to practice your audacity. So our question is, while you were pursuing your goal, or you still are, where did you get the solid grounding to continue while everything else was in motion? How did you stay grounded in your vision, despite what life was throwing at you? Exercise is extremely important to me. Um, I've told myself a lot of times, Any good day starts with a good workout. As long as I exercise, I can handle anything. Everything, you know, everything else can come into place. And if something doesn't come into place, I can accept it. I can deal with it. I can address it. I can manage it in the best way possible. My dad was an athlete. He had us in sports since we were very little. I remember being a kid and him coming into the living room and he would just turn off the TV and be like, go outside. What? I'm like, what? Dad, I was watching that. He's like, move, go do something that's always been something I've come back to. So I, I kept that while I was at home, but I, it, it sounds weird. It, that's what gives me my confidence. Like I mentioned, when I, I go to the gym in the mornings, that's what gives me the confidence and that sets me up for the rest of the day. A solid grounding also comes from, like I said, I have a great family. My mom and my dad and my sister and brother Uh, are excellent. Um, they're supportive. We're all wonderfully close. Um, I love them all very much. And I know that if it get to, did get to the point where it was too much here and I called them and I'm like, I'm, you know, coming home, someone's got to come get me that X, that cushion is all gone. I spent all my money. I need you to send me a, a plane ticket. No matter what it was, I know that they're there. That that's golden. I'm really appreciate. I'm very appreciative of that because I know that not everyone is that fortunate educational background I mean when I was about oh I would have been doing my undergraduate degree at the time and I wasn't sure what I wanted to do with life still probably not really sure with what I'm going to do with it but um I was doing landscaping for a summer job for this man uh who was a lawyer and he was a really really nice guy and he was asking me he's like what do you you know what are you going to do after undergrad you know what is it you want to do and I told him I said well debated on going to law school I am looking at LSATs um Um, but I'm just not really sure if I, I want to be a lawyer. And he said, you know what, Angela, do it. He said, for any other reason that it's, it's an incredible uh, degree learning experience. And he goes, it's one of the most more transferable degrees. And I mean, this is going back, it would have been maybe 2003, 2004. He said, it's one of the most transferable degrees. He said, you look at people in a lot of other positions. A lot of them were lawyers, were at least went to law school at one point and had that education. So he's like, if you, you told me you may want to be a writer, well, it, it's not a bad way to start. So, so having that, having something I know I could always fall back on may, made the decision a lot easier. And I don't even know if it was an easy decision. Maybe it wasn't great. Maybe there just been a point I was so frustrated with my life. I said, I don't care. I'm just not doing this anymore. If I crash and burn, oh, well, I'll go home and sleep in my parents' spare bedroom and I'll figure out what, you know, the next round is. But I was just so stressed and running around and unhappy that I was like, something's got to change. It felt like I failed myself. So um, yeah, something had to change. And so I did. Perfect. Thanks very much for sharing this time with us and, and all the ideas and, and transformations. I've enjoyed very much speaking with you, Angela. Thank you. Thank you, Angela. Thank you both very much for, um, for having me, for allowing me to talk this out. Like I said, I, there were a few moments. I don't think I've had this conversation so thoroughly with myself or with anyone else. Thank you for, thank you for that opportunity. I, I really, yeah. really appreciate it. You've got to, you've probably got a lot 
to think about today then this has been another good start to your day the exercise and then this you know why why did you make the move that you did I'm going to go get a coffee and take a walk on a beach now and continue reflect a bit I mean, yeah. more time in my own head which is where I spend most of my time what a transformation it looks absolutely beautiful there and you look radiant I have to say I mean obviously I didn't know you before but you, you look like you're really really enjoying life <laughs> <laughs> absolutely yeah, yeah I'm, I'm very much enjoying life yes thank you so much both of you I, I like again I really appreciate this opportunity So that was an interesting discussion, conversation with Angela. Listening to that again now, Maribel, what are some of the key things that you're taking away from it? Uh, There are several things that um, touched me uh, from, from what Angela said. But one of those I thought is particularly important precisely because that is one topic that I see in my coaching practice once and again uh, among women. And what she mentioned is the freedom that she... No, let me change, rephrase that. The entitlement that she feels now to say no and leaving it at that. To say no... I'm not going to do it or no, I can't do it. And for her to be okay with it. I thought that was so refreshing Um, because it is okay to not have to give a huge explanation why you're not doing something. It's okay to tell someone I'm not, I, I don't have the space of mind right now to listen to whatever problem you have. Um, you can either suggest another, another time or, you know, or, or just not have that conversation. It, it's not necessary. But so many people, and since I work with mostly with women, then I have to say most, many women feel this obligation to say yes, even if they wish they could say no. Mm-hmm. To say yes, even if they don't have really the time. To say yes, even if they don't want to, because of some kind of universal sense of responsibility that I haven't been able to to really understand so far. And you from from what Angela explains, it's just so liberating to think first of yourself, can I be this person for my friend now? Can I listen to her complaining about things that have nothing to do with my life uh, right now and be honest with them and just say, no, I, I, I can't be that person for you right now or no, I can't do it. Yeah. I know that's something probably completely unfamiliar to you, Helen, right? <laughs> Well, it is. And we had this conversation uh, in the last episode, didn't we, with Maya? She mentioned that yeah, I think, you know, women particularly um, have difficulties saying no. But I, I think it's down to conditioning as well. You know, it's like what, what you say that, that people tell you to do something and there's some kind of universal thing within you to accommodate that other person. Mm-hmm. I think maybe that's what it is. And so it's very difficult. We're in a society where it's quite difficult for us to say no. And it's something that you have to recognize. You've been conditioned to do what other people have, are, are telling you to do. But you needn't, if you feel, you know, your boss tells you to do something or a member of your family tells you to do something or a politician tells you to do something (laughs) right now, for example, you can say, no, I'm not doing that. That goes against all my principles. I don't think that that is is right and, and fair. And it's not allowing me to live the life I want to live. And no, I'm not doing what you say. I'm doing what I want to do. Um, and I, I think this is possibly a common thread, which is which is perhaps going to come up more and more in our mm. interviews with people. The power that you have when you say no, it just gives you that feeling that you can concentrate on what you want. You can achieve your full potential 
if you say, I'm not the person to do this thing that you're asking me to do, that's not my role right now. Leave me alone to get to get on with what I'm here for. And I think that is so, so powerful. Yes, yes. And um, I totally agree with what you're saying. And that also, while listening to you, I was making the connection of this power of saying no, and at the same time, having clarity in what it is that you need to be doing now, and doing just only that. Uh, because one thing that Angela mentions is in her life right now, her productivity and, and the power in her work lies in single tasking and focusing her attention on just one project for one day, for example, as opposed to 10 different ones and doing a little bit in, in each of them. And um, actually, for, for one of my trainings, I, I, I research on, on what is multitasking. And actually, that's something that doesn't even exist because you, our brains cannot really do two things at the same time. So actually, what we're doing is either switch tasking, which mm -hmm. is the inefficient way of working, which would be doing two or three or more different attention grabbing activities uh, and then you you move from one to the next to the next but the problem is that every time that you switch there's a loss or in, in time a loss in quality and it, it increases your stress yeah um the other thing the other option that really exists is i think it's called back tasking which would be like I'm going to bake a cake and while that thing bakes, then I will do something else. Or I'm having a talk and I'm walking at the same time. Uh, those are two things that, that actually a brain can, can do, but not two things that really need your full concentration. So she's talking about working six hours a day and getting either the same amount done or even more than, uh, than what she did before working what eight ten hours a yeah day. well 12 hours I think she was saying that in, you know when she was talking about her schedule when she was in yeah. Ontario she was working mm -hmm. the whole day but but yeah and I think it gives you a, a, a bigger sense of fulfillment to say that you've actually done a good piece of quality work it's quality not quantity isn't mm -hmm. it um, yeah. and then that makes you feel good you know that sends the the right chemicals around your body to say yeah. yes I've, I've done a good job here And that is achievable or achieved by really focusing on one thing at a time. Absolutely. Um, I'm going to uh, talk about the last thing that she said. Mm -hmm. um, when you asked her at the, at the very end, what gives her the solid grounding to continue while everything else is in motion? And I just mm -hmm. love this question that we asked. <laughs> again, because you get all sorts of weird and wonderful answers. And we've had people talking about... Um, being in nature gives them the grounding or their spirituality um, or we had someone say my partner gives mm -hmm. me the grounding or the, or the conviction that what I'm doing is the right thing and Angela I don't know how much thought she'd, she'd given to this because I felt that when we were having this conversation with Angela there was a lot of there was a lot of pauses we edited I mean it sounds the final edited version sounds like it was a very fast-paced conversation but mm. there were a lot of pauses in this conversation weren't there Yes, indeed. And, and there were lots of moments in which um, breakthroughs or highlights were, were happening in, on her side, which in the, at the end, she, she actually thanked us for. Exactly, exactly. And when, and when she answered this question, she, she talked about three things. So previously, mm -hmm. when we'd asked this question to people, they said, you know, this one thing, being in nature, my spirituality, my partner. And Angela answered it with three things. So the first thing she said was her daily exercise mm -hmm. was very important. Mm -hmm. She also said the knowledge that she's gained from her academic and professional study also gives her a good grounding. Mm -hmm. uh, and then the third thing that she said was the support that she knows her family gives her you know that they're always there um, mm -hmm. no matter what and when I when she said that I think it wasn't until after the interview that I started thinking about her response to that question mm 
basically what she said, she said, exercise, knowledge and family. And that to me are the things that address body, mind and soul. That's a nice way of putting it. Or, uh, yeah, to put that light on it. Yeah, makes sense. Especially uh, so- something that, that I really like that she mentioned was in in connection. Also, this is another topic that, that I have seen that, that it's being repeated. These audacious people that we um, interview, they deal with fear. Mm-hmm. It's not that they are fearless, but they do stuff with the fear, in spite of the fear, whatever whatever you want to call it. And I, I really like what she said. Well, you know what? I'm just going to try it. <laughs> And if, if it comes to the worst of all options, then she... And that's what I like. She continued thinking. And that's usually, I've said this before, I know, but I'm going to repeat myself, that we do not continue thinking. So actually, if the worst case scenario happens, what would I really do? And she had thought that through. She said, well, I'm just going to go to my parents' spare room and live there for a while and find out uh, and figure out what's the next step in my life going to be. I'm almost 100% sure it will never come to that. I agree. (laughs) (laughs) But she has, uh, the fact that she has worked through that and knows, okay, if that should be, and if it comes to that, then then I'll do that, gives her probably the assurance that there's an option, even if everything goes wrong, um, that she can live with. I like that. Yeah, I, I do. Yeah, that, that was a good quote that she said. Um, I wrote down a quote that she said, which I thought was amazing, um, where she asked herself the question when she was still living in Ontario and she realized that things were not going well, mm-hmm. particularly after that that meeting in which she was questioning herself and, the, and her purpose and the company. And yeah, she, yeah. Said to, she says that she said to herself, if this is your life in a year, I'm going to be very disappointed in you. You failed yourself. And I thought, wow, you know, having that conversation with yourself to say, if I'm still in this position in one year's time, then I'll be very disappointed in myself. I mean, how's that for shaking, you know, giving yourself a shake and get your act together? Yeah, probably the most powerful you can get more than anyone, anybody else telling you that. But imagine disappointing yourself. No, you don't <laughs> yeah. want to do that. What else? Yeah, another thing that I'd, I'd like to mention is that she realized very soon after moving location, the necessity to get herself into a routine. Mm-hmm. So she was already into fitness. You know, she said she used to get up at 4.30 and go to the gym in, yeah. in the morning. You know, <laughs> hats off to her for doing that. Yeah. Um, Otherwise, she said that if she didn't get herself into this routine, she'd end up spending a whole morning at the beach and wouldn't get any work done. And I can completely understand and see how that could happen. So I, I think it's this is one thing which is really important for when you're making a life change. And this is I did this as well when I moved out here to the Outer Hebrides is to get yourself into some kind of routine. For us, it's the it's the dog walks. The dog walks are the, the things that split up our day and it gets us out into the fresh air as well. Um, and then we fit everything in, in between those things. So we have, you know, an hour or two of, of, of doing work um, and then we have a break, you know, we have a lunch and then another dog walk and, and, and all of this. And that, because humans are creatures of habit mm-hmm. and so we need some kind of routine to be able to get into. And once we're into that routine, even if it's just your your personal hygiene routine in the morning or, um, you know, your your the routine of cooking and eating or the routine of fitness or going for a walk or something, if you've got that routine, it gives you some kind of stability, I think, and removes the stress of you know, what, what am I doing today? Because yeah. at least you've got those things, you know, I'm definitely doing those things today. I'm definitely having a shower and walking the dog and cooking <laughs> my lunch, you know, <laughs> so you don't yeah. have to think about those things. Yes. yes um, and then you can yeah. get the, the, the rest of the stuff done in between that. Yeah. It, it's predictability. N- knowing 
those certain things that that you know will definitely happen it just frees you from frees you from energy and and thinking of what am i going to do today those things are are a routine that that you just repeat that doesn't need any extra energy it gives you probably the solid grounding or some part of the solid grounding yeah. that that we all need i also assume that's what happens to people when they retire you know like finish mm. working after 30 years working somewhere Some people fall a little bit into a, a mild depression because they have to readjust their whole uh, schedule, their whole life to what am I going to do now? And that's something that Angela also mentions. And I feel exactly that same way. She says that she's never going to like really retire completely, mm. that that she feels yes she will work less uh, when when she's older but that there will always be something that that she will be doing and she has some ideas of other areas less connected to to what she's doing right now and uh, i i totally advocate for that yeah uh, because it it keeps your mind working uh, you keep learning and that is the antidote to um to to your your brain decaying and and getting older. I mean, I don't mind getting physically older or wrinkles or whatever, but I want my mind to to work. Um, Definitely. And and I think that also goes back to quality not quantity as well because as you get older and your you know your body creaks and aches mm-hmm. <laughs> compared to what it used to do, then you can't physically do as much as you could before. But as long as you've got the quality of the work there or, or the the learning going on and the you know the the development learning about yourself is a huge thing yeah um as long as that is still going on then you need never retire you can do it until until you you leave this earth Thanks very much for listening to this episode of our podcast, Audaciousness. We hope you enjoyed it as much as we did. A huge thanks to Angela for sharing her interesting story with us of transitioning to and, and moving to Mexico. If you enjoyed this episode, please give it a like. And if you think someone else would benefit from listening to this conversation, please pass it on to them, share it with your friends and family and colleagues. If you know of any other audacious people, including yourself, please get in touch as we'd love to speak to them. We'll be back in two weeks with another audacious person and another audacious episode. See you then. Bye. Bye. Bye.